an appointment, and I believe he has a word for all of us today. Uh, last week, I shared on reach out and touch, and that I felt like uh, back in May when the Holy Spirit quickened me that in this church for four weeks, we would share on the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, which we did in the month of August. And then for our assignment, everybody say assignment. assignment. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you know you have an assignment? <laughs> we all have an assignment uh, from God for whatever season you're in in your life. It may not be the one you see down the road, but right here today you have an assignment. And that assignment God has put in your heart for you to reach out and touch somebody for the glory of God. Amen. And that's what I heard that in this church, that our commission for this fall would be to reach out and touch. And so last week we shared a message on you're on assignment. You're on assignment from God. And uh, today we're going to talk about the missing link. Everybody say the missing link. And I'll share with you what that is in a little bit. But, um, Every one of us has a purpose and a destiny. And um, Pastor Bill, for those of you that are visiting, my husband is in Uganda right now. We have orphans that we take care of. It's a, a children's home in Ye, Sudan, and it had to close and bring the children over into Uganda because of war. And the war was getting too close. And so 140-some orphans, plus the workers, plus their children, uh, an entourage of about 200 uh, came out last week of South Sudan, a 12-hour trip with everybody in trucks with just mattresses and a bag of clothing. And uh, they were taken to a place called Rhino Refugee Camp, where my husband and Brad went over and met them there in that place in Aurora, close to Aurora in Uganda. Uh, the Ugandan government opened their borders, and all of them were welcomed in, given some kind of a paper of uh, permission to be in the country. But uh, after seeing the base, my husband, before he left, had found a place. It's about six hours away from Aurora, which is a more inconvenient for Stanley, but a much better place for the children. Uh, when they got to the Rhino refugee camp, they discovered that they're doing their best. It's a UN, a United Nations camp. But uh, 60 some thousand people are there. They're coming in at a rate of 4,000 a day from Sudan. And um, <clears throat> they just come in and they give them a plot of land, chop down trees, take the limbs, put them in the ground, and throw a tarp over it. And that's your tent. And that's where you live. And so all of these children, that's where they were. And, of course, my husband, uh, those of you who know him, that just really broke his heart. And he talked to Pastor Stanley and uh, the man from Feed the Hungry, which is based out of South Bend, Indiana, came uh, that represents Feed the Hungry in the Ugandan nation. His name's Solomon and his, this Bob, who's another man from uh, the States, they talked with Pastor Stanley and encouraged him that this other place uh, started by a lady, her last name was Gleason, um, in a place called Kitgum. You can look it up on the map, K-I-T-G-U-M. Uh, she started this, well, basically with two children that she went over there and just fell in love felt she was called there, started an orphanage, and it just exploded. And today there's there's many orphans there, but they have facilities. They have dorms. They have bathrooms, which these children have never really had bathrooms. Uh, they've had outside, you know, situations, but nothing like what we experience. And they will be uh, given uh, a whole area 
with the dorms all set up for them to live. Pastor Stanley will be able to be there with them along with his workers. Um, Now they'll have to supply their own food, a lot of food and clothing. So we're still going to be involved in supporting all of these orphans. But um, they're very happy. You know, they've been moved in a, well, there were four trucks that brought them over. 12-hour ride, no food. Arrived there, were fed rice. Then they were taken on a bus to... Uh, Rhino Camp, which is where they are today, and Pastor Bill's there. He and Brad video and playing with them. And I have a few photos before we share the message today. There's my husband. Of course, he doesn't, I don't know if he's coming home. <laughs> I said, Are you coming home? He said, Yes, but I don't know. They're so sweet. And uh, they're little. Many of them are still very little. So they go all the way up to about 18 or 19. Because when we first uh, started, they were about five or six. So they're behind in school, a lot of them. That's Bill Abbey. My, that's the first orphan we we adopted. And uh, he's now 19, I think, 18 or 19. And this is their clothing. Uh, Pastor Bill sent me this, that uh, they've washed their clothes and they're drying them. That's the way they dry their clothes. And they each have their little duffel bag. So they do have... Uh, you know, some clothing they got to bring out with them. Um, God is good. He always makes a way where there is no way. And uh, so on Tuesday, Pastor Bill and Brad are going to go with them to Kitgum. My husband is not coming home till he sees where these orphans are going to be. That's just the bottom line. So he said he's going six hours on Tuesday over there. Make sure they all get settled. They'll bring them back six hours on Wednesday. And they fly early Thursday morning back into Entebbe. And then they come home on Friday. So you can continue to pray. Pray for wisdom and that all of these children, uh, they're very happy. They they don't really know anything's uh, that different for them because they've never lived in really, I mean, we've had dorms, we, we've done our best, but it's not like America. So the fact that they're together, that Jesus loves them, they sing all the time and they sing all about Jesus. And so he is their source. And so wherever they are, the scripture is alive in them that it doesn't matter where they are. Jesus is still the Lord and he's still their savior and he will take care of them. So thank God you know, for the word of God, the truth of the word of God in them from little children to know who their source is. And uh, let's just pray right now for Pastor Bill and for Brad, for Pastor Stanley. Father, we thank you for the wisdom of God. Lord, we know you see what we cannot see. You even see the place where they'll go and you're making provision. I thank you, Lord, that it, that they're going to go to this place and that you're going to cover them as they take them. I thank you, Lord, for all the finances that have come from this church and others outside this church that are going to provide for buses. They're not going to be in the back of a truck. They're going to be in a bus and they'll be taken there on Tuesday. And I thank you that, that they will be welcomed and that they will know they're safe. I pray for Pastor Stanley. I thank you. Every need he has for these children will be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. We have about $16,000. Everybody say praise the Lord that has come in. And uh, the greatest need right now is a vehicle for Pastor Stanley that he can get back and forth from Aurora, that six-hour trip back and forth, go and teach and be with them and, and get supplies. And so a Land Rover, a Land Rover, I think that's what it's called. Um, the terrain there, it's not like driving on our streets. You know, we think we have trouble with construction. This is like driving where you saw construction 
on that. <laughs> Even worse, probably, with a lot of potholes. So he'll have to have a pretty good vehicle. But we have enough. Pastor Bill said, how much do we have? I said, I think around 15000 He said, well, that's good because tomorrow we're going to buy a Land Rover. And a, it's a $15,000 Land Rover. So God always supplies. He always supplies. So whatever else we need, we know it'll be there. Okay, back to the missing link. Everybody say the missing link. You know, uh, God has called this church for this season, for right now. We are called to reach out and touch. And that means, you know, we're, we're actually living what Jesus said we would live. God said in Genesis 1:26 that he would give us dominion. Everybody say dominion over all the fish of the air, the bir- or fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and that we would have authority and we would rule. And uh, that was to be his people. That's the, the creation that he made all, all human life. He intended that they would rule. Now we know the devil came, got involved in the situation due to Adam and Eve and their choices. But Jesus came and he said, I have come as the one, the Messiah to heal the sick, to deliver those who have been ensnared by the enemy that are in captivity and to bru- and help the bruised, the people who have been wounded and hurt. He announced his assignment. Everybody say his assignment. And it was assigned, even the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 61 that there would come a Messiah. And Jesus stood up in Luke 14, it's recorded in the word of God, and said, I am he. Today, in your hearing, this word has been fulfilled. In other words, I am the Messiah. Of course, we know that he was crucified. But when he was crucified, the power of God was released into every human being who would receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Isn't that great news? Wonderful news. You know, Pastor Sharon Doherty uh, told this story once that when Pastor Billy Joe, that's the pastor where we were in Tulsa, he died at a very young age. um, And it was not expected, of course. And uh, she was praying and asking God, you know, what do we do? What do we do now? And she said she saw this like big balloon. And it was like it had been struck. But when it was struck, multiple bubbles came out of that. And the Lord said to her, what has happened has opened the door for all these people that Pastor Billy Joe preached, taught, all those people he invested in across the world to rise up and go and carry what he had carried, that same anointing. And, you know, different churches have different anointings for what they're called to do. This church came out of that church. Our, what we, you know, see as our vision is love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And so, you know, every church has a calling that God puts on them, a vision. And so this church, uh, I'm not surprised at all that my husband's in Uganda. I mean, although I, when we came here, I never expected him to go to Uganda, and he didn't even know where Sudan was. God may be calling one of you today. You may not even have seen where it is yet. You may not even know what it is because it hasn't been done yet. Heather was telling me she's been believing God and feeling this urgency to, to, that she's going to do something. And when she prays about it, she doesn't know what it is. But she felt like she heard a teaching that said some things haven't even happened yet. They're still brewing. They're still being worked on from heaven. And when they come and it's time, it may be you, Steve. It may be you who has to do. You know, God's going to put those assignments. Everybody say assignments. Because Jesus said in John 14, I'm going to be with the Father. But you 
all of you who believe in me, you will do what I do and you will do even greater works because I go to be with the father. And he says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. Amen. And so we have that hope. We have that promise. If you look at second Corinthians five, and this is where I want you to see that you are part of this assignment, this great assignment that God has. Now I'm going to show a little video before we read the scripture. I saw it on the internet. Everybody say, we're the church. Now say that like you mean it. We are the church. Amen. I mean, we are a force to be reckoned with, not with people, but with the devil. Now, I mean, when he looks at you, he should be horrified that you are awake. You guys don't seem very encouraged about this. Hallelujah. He should be scared that you woke up this morning and you know who you are. Amen. Okay, let's watch this. This is a pastor describing. They say, Jay John, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say pastor. to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. <laughs> so I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow. Loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Everybody, how many of you believe that's the way it should be? See, you didn't know you were a part of a global entity, did you? But we are. God put us in the earth for a purpose and a destiny. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's not just your past situations. It's who you were before and who you are now after receiving Jesus. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled. Would you say that word? Reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Everybody say, thank God. I mean, that's amazing right there. He was not accusing you or reminding you of your mistakes and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an ambassador. 
Now that's important. You are an ambassador for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Isn't that amazing? Say, I'm a reconciler. I'm an ambassador. Say that. Now, to reconcile means to restore to friendship or harmony. To, and, and that word restore is part of the definition there. But restore means to put or bring back into existence. In other words, that's what Jesus did for all of mankind. He brought us back into existing as God originally intended for us to exist. Amen. And through that, he didn't just do that. He gave us the power and the ability to do what he has called us to do. Everybody say, I got it. I got it. I, you've got it. It's in you. It, it's a part of you. The Holy Spirit is the one that directs it. Now, in the book of Joel 2.25, um, Joel prophesied that, that God was going to restore everything. And it says, if you could put that one up for me, Sandy, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust and the chewing locust. How many of you have run into all four of those? I would have to say I have in my lifetime. And what that was, was, you know, what one locust didn't eat, the next one ate. What that one didn't get, the next one got. How many of you know when it starts going down, it seems like it really goes. Have you ever woke up and said, can one more thing go wrong? Yeah, that's the chewing locust, the whatever locust. The, and so this can apply to your life. God wants to restore whatever it is that the enemy has stolen from us. And if we're not prospering, then we've been stolen from. Because we are called to prosper. That we would prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. Third John 2. So this is what he says. My great army which I sent among you. What happened was th the armies came against them because they were disobedient. How many of us have ever been disobedient? How many of you know the enemy got in as soon as we were disobedient? Not just a small way, but he came in after us. And he sent those locusts, however many were, were necessary. He always wants to get to the root of your faith. Everybody say, my faith. What he wants to steal is that God is for you. That's the ultimate goal of the enemy. I don't care how he does it. That's what he's after. That you will stop trusting and believing that God is for you. And the word of God absolutely says God is for you. That he is always for us, even when we make mistakes. And I'm going to show you that. Israel had made awful mistakes. They did go into captivity. But God told them, even in your captivity, I'll take care of you. Even when you're in Babylon, which is where they were taken into captivity because of their disobedience. Even there, God took care of them. And he said, and by the way, you're going to come out of there and I'm going to restore Everybody say restore. I'm going to restore everything. And, and what we all say in this church is your ladder will be greater. Amen. Say my ladder will be greater. Or my best days are still right in front of me. Amen. No matter where you're at, God wants to restore and put things back together. God is not a God who just lets things be torn apart and then says, I'm sorry for you, but you made your own mess. Those are people who say that. Have you ever heard somebody yeah, that you made that bed, so now you'll just have to lay in it. Oh, I love that one. Hallelujah. You know, the devil is a liar. Say he's a liar. That's not God. That's not God. I want to show you this example because it blessed me so much. I don't know why, because I'm a mom, I think. But in Luke 7, there's this woman, and her son has died, and uh, she's a widow. 
And I, it's just the greatest story. Now, there's many stories of Jesus restoring things. But it says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Everybody say compassion. And then he said to to this young man, then he came and touched. Everybody say touched. We're supposed to reach out and touch. He touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stopped, stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Amen. Now that's reach out and touch in action. Okay. Power. And he presented him to his mother. She was a widow. Then fear came upon all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. It's time for a visitation of God in many people's lives that you know. And what happens is we have to begin begin to believe that we are those people, that we are those people. That assignment from God that we have, uh, it, the missing link is me. Oh, boy, you didn't get, I got four yeses on that. Who's the missing link? Me. Let's say that again. Me. You know what motivates the missing link? Love. That's what God showed me. That's what, that's what does the, brings that missing link. How many of you know the story of Peter? He was, he was the first one. Thank you for sharing that today, David. But Peter was the first disciple that God picked. And he got in his boat. He got in his business. And he, then in the end, he called him to come and follow him. Well, he did. And, and in the process, you know, he made some mistakes. Uh, Peter did some good things and he, he made some mistakes. However, there was a purpose for him. Jesus knew that purpose, but in Luke, it says in 22, I think it is that uh, 22 that Jesus said, uh, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. How many of you have ever been sifted like wheat? Oh, you're, uh, let's see the hands. Let's see. I've been sifted like wheat. You know what that says? It's God's finding out what you're really going to do, who you really are. If you really are who you say you are. Amen. And he, he brings us in those situations to find out if we're going to do what he says or we're going to do what we want. And so in that place, he said to Peter, you will deny me three times. But he said, after you've been restored, after you've returned to me, see, he already knew the end from the beginning. And, but he gave Peter the opportunity. And sure enough, Peter denied him three times. But in John chapter 21, let's look at it. If you put that up for me, John chapter 21. This is the restoration of Peter. This is Jesus speaking to him. And, you know, this is where they've been out on the boat and they weren't catching anything. And Jesus hollered from the shore, put the net on the other side, and they started catching fish. And Peter knew it was Jesus. He jumped in the water, swam to the shore. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Everybody say, love me. me. We're the missing link because of love. Because it says, uh, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
but he didn't say more than these, whatever these were. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he asked him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, because he'd asked him three times, basically, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Everybody say, I'm the missing link. And the motivation is love. It's love. You know, um, I heard this story this week, and uh, Miriam sent it to me. It was a man sharing about Benson Itahosa. Many of you may not know him. We knew him in Tulsa. He came several times. He was a Nigerian man. Not a big, tall guy, but a, he was a man of authority. He was this person that, that describes in Genesis, a man who had dominion and ruled in authority. He was a pastor in Nigeria. But he would get on the radio or the television, and he would pronounce what he believed. And then the president would get on and say what he believed, and then he'd get back on and say, the president doesn't know what he's talking about. This is the truth. Because the president tried to declare it a Muslim nation. He got on and said, this is not a Muslim nation. This is a Christian nation. In the end, the president agreed with him. Well, there was a person who got on and said, we're going to have a witchcraft conference here for people from all over the world. Now, I'm going to tell this real quickly because I, time is running out. But Vincent Hosa went on the television and said, we are not having a, a witchcraft conference uh, in this nation. And I cancel it in the name of Jesus. And he left, the, he left the nation and went somewhere, probably to Tulsa where I was. You never knew because he'd just show up. But he would preach. He was powerful. And, uh, and so uh, when he got back... One of, one of his people came and said, listen, listen, that, that man got on there and said, it's not canceled. We're having a witchcraft conference. And he said, you just better get God involved here because, you know, you got to get God to come down here and do something because we're going to have a witchcraft conference. He said, God doesn't need to come down here and get involved. I'm his ambassador. I have already said it's canceled. And it is canceled. And then he said he went back, he told this man, I went back and said, God, how are you going to cancel it? <laughs> Sometimes you don't know you're the ambassador, but you have to speak what God says. So he goes back. And in the end, in the end, a, a lawyer came to him and said, listen, I have checked our laws and it's against the law to, for witchcraft to operate in this nation in any way. So he went to the guy who was having the witchcraft conference and said, are you a witch? And he said, you can't have a witchcraft conference, because if you do, we will have to execute you. Because if witches can be executed in this nation for practicing witchcraft. He said, no, I'm not a witch. <laughs> but all these visas have been executed for people to come. And so he went to the president, Benzanita Hosa, and said, listen, this is on the books. If they hold this conference, you're going to have to execute these people because it's against the law to practice witchcraft in this nation. The president canceled the witchcraft concerts, canceled all the visas. End of story. Everybody say God's in charge. All because of one man. Now, you know, sometimes you hear things and you don't know. I, I know Bensanita Hosa. I've been in an elevator with him and his five other men entourage with Pastor Sharon in the middle of the night in Washington, D.C. The elevator door opened and here he came on there. And when he talked, it was like E.F. Hutton. You just listen. 
I mean, it was like the fire of God in his eyes. And he was always on a mission. I want to tell you, we have an assignment. So I have an assignment. Now, I believe that God has called us in this church to step into this place. It says in John 14, it's in 15 through 18, and I'm going to paraphrase this. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you keep them, I will manifest myself to you. See, what does that mean? He's going to reveal himself. He's going to show himself on your behalf. Now, I'm going to share this story with you because I was, you know, uh, for the last several years, probably five, six years, um, I was a single mom for uh, several years. And my greatest uh, fear that I faced was that somebody would take my children because I couldn't provide for them. A very real thing in the day we live in today. Uh And so I I was so fearful I wouldn't have enough money. But I always gave. And at one point, God asked me to even give 20% instead of 10 just to show me that he was going to take care of me. So these were big, big monuments in my life, you know, of God providing for me. Well, about several years ago in this church, uh, when Pastor Bill asked me to do more preaching, uh, the Lord said to me, give up your whole salary. Don't take any salary. Well, I wasn't like I was going to not have any money because I got, I got my pastor bill there to take care of me, but it was still, it still shrunk our budget. You know, we had to regroup and, uh, but I told him, I believe God told me to do this. So we did it. Uh, then God began to tell me to give money to people and just, you know, I mean, not all the time, but just out of the blue, he would just say, give this person or I'd be in a restaurant and he would say, just give them a $20 tip. Well, that's more than the bill, you know. Uh, you know, one time I did that with my granddaughter because he told me to. And then they questioned her like she uh, falsified the, the receipt, <laughs> you know, like because she's a server and the tip was more than the bill. And so when you see that, then the owner of the place says, uh, you know, are you sure they really gave you like double the bill? They gave you that money, you know. Well, it was my grandma. Well, you know, that took care of that. They understand grandma. How many of you understand grandma? And so anyway, uh, it just would happen all the time. Well, I'm, I'm preaching this message, and yesterday, Pastor Bill always goes to Walmart for me. He does the Walmart shopping because he, he said, you do all this for me, I'll do the Walmart shopping. Hallelujah. And so, but I had to go to Walmart. And so I'm in Walmart, and um, everywhere I turn, I run into this sweet little gal. I mean, every row I would turn into, and now I am not an organized shopper. So I don't like go row by row. I go way over here, then I'm way over here. Then I'm back there, then I'm over here. Because I don't know Walmart that well, you know, so I'm all over the place. But every time I, there she is again. And so with her little girl, and I'd smile. Well, I didn't think anything of it till I got to the checkout. And I was standing in line. And I want to tell you, by the way, express, that express stuff, it doesn't work. And it has nothing to do with my age. I'm sorry. I know you work there, Aaron. But that express thing is a torment from hell. I'm telling you. I mean, somebody in the congregation had to rescue me. Shorty, that's in the first service at the Marsh store. Because I was talking to the machine. I was talking to the man. He said, put it on the scale. I said, I put it on the scale. He meant that scale over there. I'm thinking this scale over here. I was so confused. I just thought I got to get out of here. So I don't do that. I got in a line 40 mile long and waited. And so I'm in this line and I turn around and there she is right there. And I smile and uh, God said, buy all of her groceries today. 
And you know what my first thought was? She'll be embarrassed. I mean, I'll embarrass her in this line. I mean, there's all these people. I mean, how am I going to do this quietly? You know, you're supposed to do things quietly. Well, there, you know, I got the whole Walmart in my row. And so I, I stepped back. Finally, I quit. I just thought, okay, I can't get over it. I got to do it. So I go back and I said, I think I'm supposed to buy your groceries today. The Lord wants me to. She looked at me. She goes, you're going to make me cry right here in the Walmart. I said, oh, don't do that because we've got a whole line of people and I'm trying to keep this undercover, you know. And I guess she ain't going to be embarrassed because she was just, oh, I mean, she was. And, and, and I said, it's the Lord. I mean, he just wants me to do this. And she said, I said, is it okay? She said, well, yeah. So I go and I tell the clerk, the, the, the lady taking the money. I said, now when you finish with me, I'm going to pay this lady's bill. Oh, she says, there's no people who do that anymore. I thought, shut up. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, seriously, this is all going on in my heart. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, God, I have never done this before. And so I, she comes over to me and she goes, I think you're my blessing. And I said, oh, she said, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, somebody had a need and I gave them what they needed and they said, I'm going to pay you back. And, and she said, no, no, God will take care of it. He'll pay me back. She said, I think you're my blessing. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Isn't that exciting? She knows that God paid her back, paid her back, took care of it. And uh, I said, oh, it's okay. It's great. I said, are you a single mom? She said, no, but I, I'm married. I have three children. I'm going to Purdue to get my master's degree. I work full time. My husband works full time. And I just knew. She said, you just don't know. The Lord just knew. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in that, everybody say, reach out and touch. Yeah. See, when, it's not about her. He knew I was in the line. Hallelujah. <laughs> I hope he wasn't upset about me. But I just, you know, I just, I just thought, what if... What if, you know, I don't want her to think I think there's something wrong with her. Do you know? Get over it, people. Just do what God says. Uh, from my experience, do what God says. Because God, I, afterward, I thought, I can't believe that, God. It really was you telling me to tell her that. And so we went through the line. She gave me her name. She And I didn't tell her I was a pastor. You think, did you invite her to church? No. Because it wasn't about that. I didn't want her to think I did it because I was the pastor. I did it because God said to do it for her. Not because I'm a pastor, just because I'm like you, anybody. And, and it was like, no, you need to tell this because it's part of the message. I'm trying to get this across to people. It's time to reach out and touch. And when we do, God will get the glory. The clerk knew it. The girl knew it. And then her little girl right before I left came up and hugged me. And said, thank you. She got to hear the whole thing. And she was just a young girl. What do you think that's going to do for her life? Isn't God good? Oh, I just loved it. So let's stand. Hallelujah. God is a good God. I asked him to sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here today for this reason. You will never know what God wants to do if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Because your mind will tell you everything. See, my mind, it wasn't about the money because I, I finally had graduated. I mean, that wasn't my first thought. It was, it was, I don't want to embarrass somebody. See, if he can't find one way to stop you, he'll find another way to stop you. And it sounds real compassionate, doesn't it? Well, you might embarrass her. See, that's, that sounds like, oh, that could be God. But it wasn't God. 
it was not God because this little girl was, she wasn't even looking for her blessing. It was like it dawned on her all of a sudden. This is my blessing. This is God giving me my blessing. See, how many of you think that you've got people you know that if they just knew that God would take care of them? Not you, but God. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. I don't know what that little girl did after that, but there'll be a harvest for her and there'll be a harvest for this church because it isn't about me. It's about this. It's about what this church is called to do because I'm the leader with my husband. I'm being watched, but I represent all of you and I hope you act just like me. And if nothing else, just say, well, I did this because Pastor Pam said I had to. Hallelujah. That's it. <laughs> she said God would want me to do this because God does want us to do it. And it may be a smile. We talked about last week. So it's not about money, folks. You have more than enough for every good work God asks you to do. Say that. I have more than enough for every good work that God's called me to do. It's not based on your status financially or your status emotionally or physically or knowledge. It's based on God's status through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person here. You may be here today. We're glad you came. Maybe maybe you've not walked with Jesus ever, or maybe you have and you kind of walked away. Maybe you're here today and, and there's things in your life that need to be restored. But the, the greatest restoration is Jesus. Without Jesus, there can be nothing restored in your life. Because he's the one who has defeated the devil. And he will steal every time he has an opportunity until you put up that barrier of the blood of Jesus. If that's you today and you say, I, today's my day. I am coming back. I am making a decision. I am walking with God. Or maybe you're here and you never have made that decision. But you say, today's the day I want to make it. Would you just lift your hand? We're going to pray for you before we go today. We don't want anybody to leave without that knowledge in their heart. Anybody? Well, this is great. We have a whole house full of believers. That means that this message applied to all of us. Amen. Are you ready, Chris? Where you're at, God's going to use you, brother. He is. Because you have a wonderful smile and you know the love of God. And when you give it, they're going to get it. Amen. Let's all pray this. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love of God that has been, depo- that has been deposited in my life. I ask you, Lord, to use me. Help me to reach out in touch. I am willing to pray, to give, to speak to take care of whatever it is that you have for me to do. It will be my joy to do your will. It will be my blessing to bless somebody else with what they have need of. Help me, Lord, to give what's needed. A smile, a hug, bake a cake. Now, I better pray for all of you you bake a cake. But, but in Jesus, to say this, in Jesus' name, I am, more than, I am more than equipped to do everything that God has called me to do. I have everything I need in my hand because God said 
He will give me everything I need to do his will. He will supply whatever is necessary to bring the victory in my life and to others' lives. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name.